Drumming. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta, and today I'm talking with Matt Starr. Matt is a 20-year veteran of the LA scene and recently landed in Sarah McLaughlin's drum chair. Over his career, he has divided his time playing live and recording in the pop rock world and has also been producing music in his own studio. Matt began formal study of drums in his hometown of Toronto with Vito Reza and went on to study with Joe Morello, Jim Chapin, and Bernard Purdy. In addition to the Sarah gig, he has also performed with Buffy St. Marie, Chris Shiflett of the Foo Fighters, Christopher Cross, Lisa Loeb, and many more. Our Patreon content now features our recent guest, Pat Petrillo, discussing the recording of his version of Black Cow for his new record. We've also got lots of other drummers on that Patreon series, including Ash Sohn and Will Kennedy, talking about specific songs they've tracked drums for and all the technical and creative aspects of those recording processes. You can get access to this and the rest of our Patreon content for as little as $1 a month, so check that out. We'd really appreciate your support. Again, that's patreon.com slash working drummer. If you're in the Pacific Northwest, I'll be in the area with Ain't Too Proud doing Spokane, January 17th to 22nd, Seattle, January 24th to February 5th, and Portland, February 6th to the 12th. Go to ain'ttooproudmusical.com for more info, and please hit me up if you're coming. I'd love to meet up and say hi. So Matt and I became friends when I lived in L.A., and I always admired the steadiness and realness with which he went about his career, and this conversation is mainly about that. We, we start off talking some gear, mainly about recording, uh, but we get into the big stuff we like to talk about on this podcast, finding your place, finding your people, finding your identity, and how all those things are usually defined in more narrow terms than we think. So here we go. Hope you dig. Matt Starr. Yeah, so this buddy of mine, uh, well, his name, I'll mention him because he's a great drummer. His name's Dave Beyer. He said he had a home studio in L.A. before a lot of people did, and he did it in, like, the ADAT era and all of that. And I was talking to him about buying, like, good preamps, like API, Brent Averill stuff, whatever. And he's like, the thing to understand about buying that stuff is that it's it's not necessarily going to sound better. It's just going to sound more accurate to what's actually going on. So if something <laughs> sounds good, it'll sound great. Right. But if it sounds bad, you're going to hear more of that. Yeah. You know. And it's, I was like, it's going to oh. be it's going to be more honest. More honest. So be careful what you put into it. Be careful what exactly. The yeah. other thing I heard about um, preamps and all that shit, I was I was uh, like um, Richard Bailey or Dan Bailey. I always want to call him Richard because his Instagram is right. right. Yeah, <laughs> Dan Bailey was doing a Q&A on Instagram and somebody asked him uh, like how are the preamps in like the the Scarlet and oh right um you know like the, the sort of built-in the built-in ones yeah you know yeah. interface and preamp in one and Dan Bailey was like they're like these days they're pretty fucking good they're way better than they were yeah that's for sure and and the way he put it it was like 
in order to do noticeably better, you have to spend thousands. Yeah, you do. On a preamp. Right. Exactly. So if you don't want to spend thousands, this do that. Yeah, those things do just fine. And I've been I've been running a, uh, a Scarlet eighteen i twenty in in my place like, right. since the beginning. Yeah, and um, you know it doesn't sound like a Neve, but <laughs> no, but but you, I totally agree with what he said. And and uh, and there's another guy, that guy um, Jordan Rose in New York. Yeah, yeah, I've interviewed him. I think he has other stuff now, but I remember at some point uh, that uh, I think I asked him you know, what are you using there? And he had, you know, he's using his Apollo and using the built-in pre's and right. they're great. You yeah. know, I mean, granted that has a whole other thing with the unison stuff, but I just think that, yeah, nowadays the, like when I first bought, I think I've said this on another podcast, but like uh, I bought M audio stuff like 15 years ago or mm-hmm. 16 years ago. And those preamps built into those things were pretty garbage. <laughs> But um, no offense to anybody, but like, but I, but I actually also learned a lot when doing that. And when I finally got API stuff, uh, it, I, I was educated enough to notice the difference. And yeah, I, I guess I was sort of quote ready for it at that point. You right, know? I right. knew what to do with it more or less and appreciated what it was. So yeah, I think the stuff that's built in now is so much better. It's crazy. And that's you know? the thing with like whether it's a, a, a preamp or um you know, a mic or whatever, there's there's some gear that I don't feel ready for yet. Right. Like I, I look at something and I'm like, I don't know if I have the ears to really, you know, make this thing right. sing. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think that um, you know, it's the same old thing too. It's like spending yes, there are certain instances where spending a certain amount of money gets you a certain level of quality. Um, but there's also an argument to be made for making what you have work to the best that you can, which is just a whole other uh, mentality where you don't need to spend X number of thousands of dollars to get a great sounding drum track for somebody. You really don't. You right. You, you absolutely don't. I think it lies, I mean, I know it lies more in... Um, like you said, knowing how to use the shit, knowing you have. how to use your shit, mic yeah. placement, gain staging, like all the one hundred and one shit that you might spend hours um, dialing in. Right. But I would so much rather spend hours fucking around with drums and mics than I would like fucking around inside a plugin. Totally. You know, try- <laughs> totally. And another great quote that always comes into my head when I talk about this with somebody is like JJ uh, Blair, mm-hmm. another great engineer. Right. He. He basically said, when you spend this X amount of dollars for a high-level preamp, the only thing that's really happening in that situation is it's making it quicker and easier for you to get to this result that you want. But if you know how to get there, you can get there with whatever. Right. Within reason. Yeah. Um, This other thing, just spending that money just makes your life a little easier, a little quicker. and I think that that's, you know, that's maybe maybe you earn that once you learn all of this stuff you need to learn or something like that. You right, know? right. I, I think the process of, of, like, learning how to do it with simpler, cheaper gear, like, hon- it really hones your ears. Totally. Because yeah. you, you hear what it sounds like if you're not using that stuff correctly. Exactly. And then you, you get that mic placement, you find that gain, and you're like, oh, yeah. there it is. Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, and it's so subjective too, because it has to do with your drums and your room and like, yes. like all the stuff that's unique <laughs> to you. Man, yeah. I just I it's funny because I think about this all the time, especially with like drums and cymbals and snares, which I'm 
maybe uh, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, educated enough on the recording stuff now to have some level of expertise, but I'm definitely an expert on drum gear because right. I've been doing it my whole life. And I've always felt, even though I have a decent amount of gear that uh, I like to have, I know this is going to sound maybe weird, but I like to have a relationship with certain pieces of gear yeah. because the more I know it, the more I know what I can get out of it and the more I, I can make one snare drum work for a whole session where I have to change it to sound like different things. That's about knowing the piece of gear that you have, right? Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, oh, I have like this trunk of 30 snares and, you know, I mean, there's some, it's obviously a ton of validity to that, but there's also a lot of validity to the idea of like, let me figure out how to use this snare for as many different things as I can, mm -hmm. as an example. Yeah, yeah. That kick drum or these cymbals or whatever. Right. You know? My, so. my knowledge, like th throughout my, my recording journey is much shorter than yours, right? right <laughs> because right. I, I only got into it, like basically at the beginning of COVID. Right. Um, but my guide through it all has been my knowledge of just the drums. Yeah. Right. right. Like I'm, I'm learning as I go about the tech, but like what I want to hear out of the drums, like that is... I have a lifetime's of worth of experience exactly. in that, yeah. right? That's in there. So when it comes to the trial and error of the mics and the preamps and all that, it's like I I know I don't I don't always know the sound I'm going for from the beginning, but just my you know my my knowledge of drums and all of the listening that I've done to drums since I was a kid is is automatically like a pass fail. Yeah, for whatever I'm doing. Like, yes, this sound, this sounds good, and how I want it to sound. Yes. Yeah. 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 And sometimes I'll come across something by accident. It's like, well, that wasn't what I was going for, but it sounds, it cool. sounds fucking great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Um, I feel like that. This is something I, I has this thought has passed through my head a bunch of times, and I keep thinking I want to say it publicly at some point. And here I finally remembered. I feel like we're in an era with um, all of this access to all this wonderful gear for recording and also the the amount of knowledge that's out there now to draw on to sort of learn how to do it properly that as drummers especially if we could become decent engineers and we're already experts at preparing the instrument for recording that we could probably get really outstanding drum recordings beyond what say an average engineer who maybe plays a little bit of drums and has a drum set at their house or their home studio could get. Yep. Like, I feel like we're at a, we're at a point now where uh, we could start to see some, and I think we are already seeing like when guys have a home rig and they really know what they're doing with it and they're yep. great drummers, it's yep. like, oh wow, like that's a whole other level of uh, achievement of sound that even in a not ideal room that you can get, pretty awesome yeah you know and it's it's not unlike that player's um sort of playing signature yeah right it's not it, it's not for everything right but it's a specific thing yes and and if if you need that thing like n nobody better right right so like yeah. if, if if a player's you know playing style or sound is that i think you're absolutely right like what they're doing in their studio is also becoming becomes part of their sound exactly yeah and part of their signature that's so great this yeah. is something i was thinking about um earlier this morning um in terms of you know at like as drummers we know drum sounds just inside and out yeah and and like you said we're we're coming into this era wh where 
all of us are gaining this engineering expertise that's specific to the drums. Yeah. Um, we were, uh, b- before we started recording, we were talking about Jay Belarus, yeah. uh, who I'm talking to tomorrow, and like his whole gig with Robert Plant and Alison Krauss and how they're miking that drum set and how he's playing it. And that's an example of a drummer with a sound and an expertise and a vibe who has a partnership with sound with, yes. with the sound engineer on right. that gig and there's a trust there and there's a dialogue there and jay is given um you know t- it, it would seem like a lot of input i would imagine on yeah. the drum sound yeah so i'm i'm experiencing a little bit of that on my show like the the the, the sound crew and i are sort of like having this conversation and you know, developing trust and it's this ongoing thing to address the drum sound and make it what we want. Um, are you getting to do that with Sarah? Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. How um, so? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it's the same thing. It's like, um, uh, it's interesting. Cause when I came in to start, when I started the gig, I, which was when, uh, only in April this year. Yeah. So, so it's not that long. Pretty new. Yeah. 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 And we, I remember uh, discussing sort of with the MD um, before I even spoke with the front of house engineer, just about, you know, what they were trying to go for, like what they wanted. Um, and I think it, it just, it kind of fit my style to begin with, which is kind of one of the reasons why uh, it's been such a uh, enjoyable experience for me uh, to be on this gig in the first place is that it kind of like, there was some amount of like me already being in a certain place as a player that worked with the gig to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we, we have definitely like had conversations about everything from the tuning to the amount of drums I'm using. Like I've, I've been adding drums. Like I, you know, I'm playing two up, two down now, which is super fun for me, but I, I was feeling like the music was sort of demanding that because a lot of the original recordings had quite a bit of drum stuff, like pretty prominent drum stuff on it. Yeah. Um, and I think they wanted to kind of head back in that direction a little bit as far as like what they were looking for. And so that's, a, you know, I have like a whole other side rig with like, you know, f- to play with the loop sections with a side snare and side hi-hats and extra toms and the whole thing. And, and uh, I guess... Um, I, you know, sort of like just have an ongoing conversation with the front of house engineer about how everything's working. And I make little changes, you know, as far as like maybe the hi-hats are too much this or too much that. We've changed small things, but it's just great because they're they're kind of open to what I'm bringing. Mm-hmm. And I am trying to accommodate what they wanted in general. Yeah. And it's worked out great. Um, and aside know. from like the, the setup and the instrument selection, are you having conversations about mics and placement and like i'm gonna i'm gonna tweak this placement on the I, hat a little i bit. don't i don't generally uh, yeah that's a great question i don't generally um do that with uh front of house engineers especially because i just feel like that sort of their department mm-hmm. i mean if there was something really weird i might say something but he's really good so i just sort of right you know i trust his mic placement and uh yeah so it's been it's been great. You know, awesome. we, we haven't actually, we haven't really gone there as far as like, oh, hey, what about trying this mic or 
something like that. But to be honest with you, part of that is also because so far we've done really short runs. Mm -hmm. I think when we get out on a proper run and like my drums are there for every show and he has to bring out gear for miking and all of that stuff, I think that's probably when we'll have that conversation, but we haven't had that yet, probably mostly because of that. Right, right. So far we've been playing backline kits and I bring cymbals and snares and... Yeah. So, so that goes back to what you were saying about knowing your instrument. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, then you can have a conversation with them about, like, this snare yeah. I've had for 17 years yeah. behaves in such and such a way. And yeah, I've, exactly. I've had great results doing this, and then he can, you know, kind of replicate that. Exactly. And I listen, I mean, <clears throat> I, for anybody that cares, I mean, I, I, I sh- probably should say that I listen back to almost every show. Like, I either record it myself close by the drums or you know i've i've had people you know i see stuff on social media or on youtube or whatever and i listen back and make sure that what i'm intending is coming across properly too because i might not know that and they might not even know to tell me like hey you know this fill that you're playing is not really working properly and this they don't necessarily know that so i have to police myself that way so i do yeah i care a lot about that stuff yeah i want every show to be better than the last one and so i do everything i can to make that happen that's the next step for me um because like i've been i've been in this show about six weeks and you know the first few weeks were just like getting my fucking feet under me and um, yeah (laughs) yeah yeah uh you know getting settled um and so now I've been like, you know, tweaking the sound more and more. I'm more comfortable with the show and I definitely want to start recording it. Like I can record, you know, I can um, send my Avium straight into Logic. Perfect. And just, you know, record what I'm hearing in my ears. But I also want to just put a mic like out. Out in the room somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And see, see what's really going on. Because all of the tweaks I'm making, I'm, I'm basing it off of like what I'm hearing in my ears. Yes. And what I'm hearing in the little room, like without my ears. Um, but yeah, you never really know until you listen back. <laughs> I think, and I think that's the thing, the one great thing about uh, phone recordings is that, I mean, if you can, if you, if you feel like you're getting good results based on what someone is sitting in the audience who probably didn't even point their phone properly at the stage or whatever if you can get it to, to sound acceptable in that scenario i think you're probably in the right zone and that's what i kind of look for like yeah audience recordings or whatever really great like it's like super revealing and right and know. that's actually I, I hadn't thought of that because when i when i talked about like you know putting a mic in the house or something my idea was to just like take my laptop to the sound booth and you know get a little which would probably be good too it would you know? be good but like have a little you know omni mic or some kind of room mic and but yeah. like i'm just gonna fucking put my phone, put out, your there. phone out there <laughs> yeah seriously yeah with all its distortions and weird things and it's limited frequency range yeah absolutely you know man the phone is is such a great tool for like i interviewed um a guy named steven chopek who lives in atlanta now he was in memphis for a long time but like he taught me this trick of of using your phone as a room mic it's great. Like you got, and you got to find the right spot in the room. Again, yeah. you got to spend some time, like you know, trial and error. But like he would, he would hit record, you know, on his logic session, and hit record on a voice memo. Love it. And then just like airdrop the voice memo to his computer and drop it in the session. And Perfect. I've used it a couple times. Like it sounds so fucking good. It's amazing. It's yeah. like because because what I mean, you know, I have like a weird Radio Shack mic that I use and 
put on the floor or put in some weird place. I mean, it's probably, it can't be worse than that yeah. or better than that. I mean, they're probably comparable, right? right. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, actually. That's like, I should try that. come about like it's it's been eight months yeah seven months you were in in april right um is she canadian she is canadian yeah so did she just like open up her canadian rolodex <laughs> <Yeah>. and, uh... <laughs> well um the way it happened was uh through um originally through victor and drizzo yeah who is a friend and um he it so the alanis band and the sarah band have sort of musicians that float back and forth, mm -hmm. right? And um, so at some point, uh, Sarah was looking to get someone to play a couple of shows. She needed somebody to play. And they asked Victor, and he had other obligations. So he said, well, I can." I think it was something like, I can do one of these, but I can't do the other. You should call Matt. He'd be great, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, uh, and then so I was you know, passed on to the musical director, who's also Canadian and lives here. And um, they weren't really looking to do auditions in this particular instance. They just wanted somebody on a recommendation. And so I showed up and uh, the, the first show was in Memphis. Mm. And uh, we did a rehearsal slash sound check um, the night before the show because we got the stage a day early. It was a festival thing. And that was it. And we just went and did. So I did this one rehearsal. And I mean, I had weeks to prepare right. and i prepared the shit out of it like yeah. i really 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 worked hard um i you know did the thing that i think probably everybody would do which is like cross-reference like original recordings with youtube versions and live dvds and so on and so forth and um memorized everything and just showed up as prepared as i possibly could right. and uh Worked. I think I, I had one get together with the MD where he came over here and we just played through stuff and mm -hmm. um, and I just you know that was that was pretty much it, man. You so know? did they did they give you like a specific list? Yes. Of, okay. Yes. So I was fortunate that like they she made a decision like okay we have these gigs coming up this is going to be the set list um, and I, I I I've said this to a couple of other people but uh, I also I mean being Canadian and being um, having grown up there, a bunch of the songs were like already just in my head. Right. Like I knew them. And some of them, I, I, I didn't even realize I knew them, but I knew them. Right. And, you know, so it was and like... You've, you've seen the Animal Shelter commercials. Yes, I have seen the Animal Shelter. times, <laughs> like that song's in there. Exactly. <laughs> do you, exactly. Do you still do that song? Yeah. 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 Angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's that's like, the that closes every show pretty much. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, that's like... Heartbreaker every um, time. It is a heartbreaker. <laughs> it is, and and she and she's so she's she's the best because she's super forthcoming about it. She's like, I knew what I was doing. I knew it was, 
I knew it was like, you know, manipulative on a certain level, but she's like, I don't care as long as a bunch of extra animals get adopted. That's sure. all that matters, right? So yeah. it's one of those cases where it's good to be like pulling at people's heartstrings on, you know, on purpose. And yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So that was it. I mean, it was like, I think um, I was at the time also before the gig started with Sarah, I had been playing with this Canadian artist named Buffy St. Marie, who I still do some stuff with, but she's kind of like slowing down and getting ready to retire. But um, Buffy is like super um, held in really high esteem in Canada, mm-hmm. um, even though she's lesser known in the States. Uh, and she actually lives in Hawaii. Um, but because of her uh, status in the Canadian circles of musicians, I think that probably contributed. Like, I'm sure that Sarah was aware that I had played with her. Right. Which gave right, me right. some amount of cred uh, yep. as far as that goes. Yep. Um, I like what you said about... Uh, you know, Sarah and or the MD or whatever, you know, realize like, okay, we're doing this like sort of small amount of gigs with this yes. new person. Let's just decide on the set list. Decide on the set Let's list. Yeah. And I, I can't say enough about employers who <laughs> set subs up to succeed that way because you and I have played a million gigs, you know, on a sub basis or a temporary basis or whatever, where like, they don't really take that into account. Exactly. And they don't have to necessarily because they, they want their show to be their show and that's fine. But I like any anytime somebody does that and it's just like, I'm I'm gonna give you a specific and contained list, like here is your job yeah. on this gig. Yes. As few question marks as possible. It just it sets up everybody to succeed. It makes it first of all, obviously it makes your job easier. Yes. Right? Because right. there's just less guesswork. But it makes, they, I think a lot of them don't realize it makes their job so much easier. Yes. Like the less they have to explain and work on and rehearse and, you know, the more comfortable they're going to be. 100%. And I think that you nailed it because that's exactly what they did. They did everything possible to make it easier for me. I, for, I forgot to even mention that they sent me like the songs that have tracks and loops and everything, they sent me like a session with that stuff so I could get used to how that sounded in my ears and yeah. had all of that stuff. So I didn't, I didn't show up going like, okay, what do I, am I the one running the tracks? Is somebody, it, it's not me, but I knew all of that in advance. Like, right. this is my, this is what's required of me, you know, um, prepare this, prepare that. These are the tempos. This is a recent show. These are the right tempos for each of these songs. I mean, all of that stuff. I didn't have to ask anybody hardly anything. I don't think, yeah. you know, yeah. and that was, I, there's a couple of things. Number one, it absolutely makes it easier for everybody. But the other thing it does is it like makes, it gives you the feeling that like, this isn't some sort of like uh, weird test or situation where right. they're putting you on the spot. They're it's like, not hazing you. They're not. They actually <laughs> purposely are trying to make it so that we want you to succeed because we want you to, to do this. Right. So we're here, you know, as opposed to like, let's see what you got. Right. If we withhold certain information or, I mean, stuff like that right. does or, or happen. call an audible on you. Call an right. audible. Like, yeah. No, none of that stuff, man. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I, I, I get that whole mentality about like kind of putting someone through the paces and seeing right. how they react. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that's just an older school thing. And I think, and I think in a case like Sarah's music, it's like, there's enough going on that uh, just playing the gig at all is enough of a test to see if somebody can, pull it off right it's a lot of different styles a lot of different you know it's like it's not the kind of gig that you could just jump in on i don't think so i think that they probably realize that that's enough for somebody to 
you know, we'll know yeah. based on how prepared the guy shows up. Yep. You know, yep. uh, and I think that's that's just kind and and fair and yeah. And, and then she's definitely that. All of those things, you know, yeah, yeah. kind and fair, and so it's cool. What's what's been the the biggest uh, challenge of the gig? Like, how has it stretched you? Because I mean, we we talked about sort of like preparing. First of all, okay, before I get there, yeah, sure. When you did this, was it just one gig in Memphis? The yeah, the very first gig was a one-off. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> so did you know that? there was the potential to become the guy or were you approaching this? Like I have, I'm, I'm going to do this one gig. We'll see what happens. I'm I knew try. they were, no, I knew they were looking for somebody new. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I had that in the back of my mind, which as adds some pressure. Definitely, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't fuck it up. Wear a cool outfit. Wear a cool, yeah. Be cool, man. Be cool. Don't try too hard. Just yeah, don't be cool. try too hard. Just, just be cool. Just, just, just be cool. Um, don't fuck up. Be cool. Just, yeah, no. It was, it was like, I had all of that stuff in my head. Um, but I guess I just kept focusing on, you know, I mean, this sounds really trite, but I just focused on the stuff I could control, which is yeah. how prepared I was. Yep. And one of my, I feel like something that is a just a, a strength of mine is that I know how to prepare when I'm given the time. Me too. And so I was like, okay, well, it's not like I'm, you know, I mean, learning this stuff like the night before I have to play the gig. So I'm already at an advantage, Yeah. you know, to, to do a good job. And again, like the, the spirit of them kind of making sure I had everything I needed. And yeah. Know. And I, I said, me too, like I... That, that resonated with me because um, not I, I do know how to prepare, but for, for me personally, like, I, I don't really prepare unless a carrot is put in front of me. Like, sure. I'm not one of these self-starters right. who's just, like, practicing everything all the time and, um, you yeah. know, hungry for knowledge all the time. Sure. Like, like, if somebody puts a thing in front of me that's like, here's, here's, the, here's the goal or here's the reward or here's the purpose, exactly, yeah. then... I kick into gear and it's like, okay, let's, let's get into this shit. And I'm with you, man. Yeah. I'm still, I mean, we could get into this if we want, but just to briefly say like, you know, especially with all of the, you know, debates going on these days on social media about internet drummers versus yeah. real drummers and everything. It's like, I just, all I know is that I love music and I want to be a part of music like you too. I just want to be a part of music. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm much better when somebody says, here's some music to learn. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it, figure out how to play this musically with your particular style and skills on the drums. That's to me is the ultimate um, thing to go for. I yeah. Guess, you know? Yeah. That man, that, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad we did this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, like you're speaking my language so hard because like, as you were saying that I, I've never, I've thought this and felt this and said it in different ways before, but like, I'm so much more interested in learning songs than I am learning drums. Yeah. And with the whole internet drumming thing, it's like, I, I see an internet drumming thing and it's like, okay, that's, that's a drumming thing that I could learn that I could incorporate into my thing. But I don't, I don't want to just sit and like practice drums. I want to learn music. Same. And yeah. in the long run, that's going to result in my my drum vocabulary and my drum facility being smaller. Yes. Right. Right. Like right. I'm not going to reach the stratospheric sort of uh, drum Olympics that you see. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but I'm just, I'm going to be playing songs. That's like, it. That's it. <laughs> That's why, I mean, I have all these, um, my, my buddy, uh, which I'm not sure if you've interviewed him, but Michael Iveson, who's a fantastic drummer, he's an oh, Australian okay. guy. He okay. lived here for quite a while and, uh, he's back there now, but he, uh, was playing with Gautier. He did the Gautier, uh, tour when they put that record out, whenever that was, um, and uh, and he's just one of the most rabid music fans I've ever met in my life. And we share these, like, we uh, work on together and share playlists with each other where we go into a certain drummer, but it's almost always somebody who has, like, a, a discography of songs or records they've played on. So everybody from Keltner to, to Steve Gadd to people like that, but also, like, guys like Uriel or Pistol or, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, and not that those guys are obscure, but even more obscure than that sometimes too. But it's like we're searching for, um, I think anyway, like, you know, songs like and all the different ways that people have uh, made uh, a mark playing on songs. Yeah. Because that's what turns us both on like create like that's the ultimate thing yep. for me. Yeah. Um, it's why I moved here in a lot of ways, hmm. you know, originally like sitting in Canada going like. Where's all the record? Where are all the records happening? You know, <laughs> not knowing what was happening here and how the scene has dramatically shifted, but mm -hmm. um, just knowing that, like, you know, when people make a record, uh, a lot of records come from here, and a lot of great drummers have been here, and so it just that's part of what attracted me to LA, at least back then, yeah, twenty years ago. But right, how yeah. long have you been here? Twenty years? Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Whew. It's weird yeah. to be back. Is it? Because like yeah. on the way over here, we were saying I, I I moved out of here at you know the end of 2015. Yeah, and I haven't been back since. I know like, it's I crazy. Haven't, I That's... haven't really had a reason to come back. Right. Um, and I find myself like having sort of like little mild PTSD flashbacks of <laughs> of how LA made me feel. Oh yeah. And that has more to do with me than it does LA. Right. But like it's it's so easy to feel invisible here oh, yeah. and inadequate and just all this negative shit. Um and you know, I, I have the benefit of coming back here with a great gig. Yeah. So like yeah. that's my reassurance, you know, like anytime I'm driving around or like I'm uh it's like no, I'm I'm here I'm and here you're with working. a gig. I'm working. <laughs> like and that's um, and that is no small feat. Yeah, you know? that's the thing, right? Yeah, so. yeah. And not just working, like playing with an amazing show at the Amundsen. Yeah, you you're know? you're you're at a at a level. Uh, you're playing something at a level that a lot of local guys would probably love to have that exact gig, right? Yeah. And so fuck yeah. So my my <laughs> question to you is like, I've. I've talked about LA a lot on the podcast and I've said many times people ask me about LA and I tell them if you're an extrovert with a short attention span you'll mm -hmm. do great. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you know a, a lot of the guys that I know here are that and right. and that's just their personality and they kind of feed off it. You don't seem like that guy. I'm not. Chris Alice doesn't seem like that guy. Like there's there's a few people around here that that are not the prototypical like LA drummer. Right. Um yeah. so how like how do you how do you do it? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good question. Um that's a great question and actually I talk with my wife about this all the time like how LA is for me especially is like I needed to find um a tribe or group of people who were like-minded um but who were also 
doing things, you know, because like there's a whole group of people who are doing things that where where you would feel really alienated just being around them. Yes. And that was that was my thing. Like, yeah. And I and I absolutely like it took me years to to figure out that I just had to look in different places to find like a a group of people who were um, successful in doing things, but not necessarily like made you feel like that. Right. And I did. And one, I I should shout out like one of my best friends in the world is um, Craig McIntyre, who you probably interviewed on this podcast. I'm thinking. I don't think Google Dolls drummer. Anyway, um, when I met Craig, a lot of that stuff, a lot of my perceptions of how things were in this town changed because he's a guy who has a, 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 a hugely successful career, but was super open to hanging and sharing his group of musician friends who he was hanging with. And mm-hmm. cause we got along and we shared a lot of the same, um, interests in, in terms of drummers and music and, um, and that just sort of changed everything for me. Yeah. You know? And I should say that most most drummers around LA are like that. Yeah. Nobody yes, nobody true. really is a dick no. and, and like, you know, guarding their gig with, with a, a shield and a knife. Yeah. Um, everybody's open, everybody's cool, but it was it it was my disposition. Well, that yeah, made me, that made me feel alienated. I think there's also super competitive people though too, who are also very nice. Yes, who, who are sort of like a little bit cutthroat. Yeah, they're you know? ambitious. They're I ambitious. I don't know yeah. if they would say that they're cutthroat, but they're ambitious. Yeah. And yeah. when it comes to the gig they have or the kind of work they're doing, they don't like they don't rub it in your face. They're not a dick about it. No, but, but some people do have like this air about them. They have an air of like success and activity and ambition and like yes. doing. Yes. Um, and that's that's just who they are. Right. Um, right. Absolutely. And, yeah. and someone with my disposition reacts negatively to that. And it makes me feel alienated. It makes me feel invisible. It makes me feel less than. It's not their fault. It's because I, of... I understand what you're saying. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah. I think you and I kind of share this disposition. Yes. Um, and uh, apart from... Okay. So you talked about Craig. Yeah. Like, what was it about him that made you sort of not fall into that like oh this guy's too big a deal i'm like not i'm not doing enough i'm um i guess because every time i had a conversation with him um and there's a few people that you meet in your life that are like this even though they're they have and are doing a ton of stuff and maybe you're not doing very much they never draw attention to that Mm-hmm. And they uh, help you to understand how the stuff you are doing is cool and where it could take you if you continue doing certain things. Like it, like he was the he was like a cross between a friend and a mentor, um, and in all the right ways. And I he I don't think he would probably agree to this. I don't think he was trying to do that. He just mm-hmm. was that. Yeah. You know? And another person that was like that for me, although much older and much further along, was Joe Percaro. was another mm-hmm. guy who was originally my teacher and then sort of became a friend, you know, when I was teaching uh, with him at LACM, it's called now, but Lama back yeah, in the yeah. day. Um, it was the same thing. It was like this whole thing of like, they make you feel like you're a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, even though your part of it is much different than their part of it, I right. guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they sense maybe something in you that's like, you know, this person has the potential to be doing whatever. Um, right. And I sense that. So 
come on, like, let's, let's go hang. Let's talk about this. Let's do that. You know, I'll recommend you for something just because I think you're the right person or whatever, like those kind of things. And I think, and, and, and again, the, these relationships were not transactional. It's just, they're just great friendships and turn out to be the kind of thing where then eventually you're trading gigs or sharing gigs or doing right, whatever. Right. Um, Jamie Tate was that guy for me. Yeah. Another guy who's like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and I'm hoping to be able to see him while I'm here, but like, I, I left LA after five years and, um, you know, ja like Jamie was so great about, you know, introducing me to people and sending me to sub for him on stuff. Yeah. And, and, uh, Nick Mancini was another guy who like, not a drummer who I went and sub for, but I would play with him. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. and just, uh, like you, you find those people who in the midst of all your insecurity yeah. are able to sort of see you and validate you and build you up a little bit and exactly say like you can do it go fucking do it yeah they just make you feel like you're a part of a community of people right um and i think in la since it's so disconnected a lot yeah. of people are disconnected yeah, yeah. from each other to feel a part of some community of like-minded uh especially musically speaking like-minded mm -hmm. that to me is gold in yep. a town like this I don't know what that's like if you go to New York. I don't even know anymore what it's like in my hometown to do that. Yeah. But here, it's got to be essential, I think, to be have your little group. Paralyzed by your lies, but I can see through your disguise in the truth of you. Heaven knows there are things that you can undo. There was a, a rehearsal you subbed for me and all the guys, it was a reading, like a heavy reading thing, like some musical or something like that. I think uh -huh. that's what it was. And I came back and, and with a bass player was like, man, he's like, that was intimidating. Cause the guy was like nailing every, all the reading, nailing everything. <laughs> and I'm still like, cause they'd already been playing the show for, I don't know, a couple of days rehearsal right. or something. He's like, I'm not, I'm nowhere near that. And this guy comes in and sight, sight reads it. And it, it was uh, like, he's like, he said it was intimidating, not in a bad way, yeah, in a yeah, good way. Like, yeah. oh shit, I got to keep up. You know? anyway, <laughs> oh, that's great. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, so where, like, where we? Uh, well, I was saying, I, if, if I would have stayed, I feel like I would have found my footing sort of, you know, psychologically and emotionally. Sure. Um, I think it takes a long time in this town. I God. really do. Yeah. You know, it really, like people talk about how long it takes to sort of like find your people and, and, you know, do the networking thing to the point where you're working consistently. Yeah. And I, I've, I've come to say relationships. I hate the word networking. I do too. It's not, it's, it's a LinkedIn word. Yeah, I like agree. 100%. What we do is about fucking relationships, it's relationships and relationships take time. Yeah. Um, but so you've been here, you've been here 20 years. And I mean, by the time we knew each other, by the time I moved here, it had yeah. been eight or 10 years for you. And yeah. you were kind of, you were, you were settled right. here. Yeah. You know, you, right. you weren't, you weren't necessarily doing the, the, the work that you ultimately wanted to do. You still had goals. Yes. Right. 100%. You, and I'm sure you still do. And I still do. Yeah. Um, 100%. But, uh, but yeah, you were pretty well established by the time I got here. Were you working with Rita Hanks? Yeah, Rita Wilson. Yeah, I d I did do that. Rita I Wilson. have done that. It's right. Her, yeah, she's, but it is Tom Hanks' wife. It's Tom Hanks' wife, and yeah. she sings. She sings, and she makes a lot. She actually 
puts out a lot of records. And, wow. Um, but it's one of those band situations where she has, uh, there's a, a, it's like, you know, each chair is like two or three deep. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I, and now it's two or three deep and like there's regional bands in Nashville and mm-hmm. New York. And so I'm this, I'm second chair in LA. Randy <laughs> Cook is chair one. Oh, that asshole. <laughs> and oh, I, uh, love, I love, he's Randy. my buddy. I love Randy. He's so great. He's another guy like who, and I mentioned Victor too. They're both guys that like. I would mention as people who do a lot of stuff, but when you're around them, they never ever make you feel like you, what you're doing is is uh, insignificant or not as cool as them or anything like that. They're yep. just they make you feel like we're in this together. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And now for me, I think that's the thing that I I just want to be around people who where it feels like I, I keep going back to the word community, but I think that's what it is. And it's like what you said, friendships, community, people who make you feel like you're a part of something. Right. And when, when you hear the word community, like you, you think of a big group of people, right? Yeah. But it doesn't have, it doesn't to, be have that. to be that. Right. I think whatever city you're in, I think the takeaway from this conversation we're having is, um, yes, you have to work on yourself and, and sort of identify and reckon with, the aspects of your personality that are going to hold you back. Yes. But you you also have to like, you know, like you said, find your people. It doesn't have to be 30 people. It doesn't have to be a, you know, a big community quote unquote room full of people. It could be like two people. Yeah. You've talked about two or three people who are like your footholds. Yes. In this fucking town. (laughs) Yeah. They're my guys. Like if I'm having a shitty day, yeah, something fell apart, something didn't happen that I expected to have happen. Those, those guys, Victor, Randy, Craig, um, a bunch of, there are other people I could mention too, but like, those are the guys that I'll call up and say like, damn man, like check out what happened. And they're the guys that'll be like, it'll figure out a way to, 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 be a friend and and it's it's more about being a friend and also that they're drummers and they know identify with the situation right and can be like oh yeah I, yeah i get it i've been there and on the other side when when you land something when something great happens like you want to talk to those those guys. are my guys yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and and they're the they're and when they're your friends as you know this your friends will always be the ones that the, the the people who are truly your friends will be the ones that are so happy that you were successful in some way, just like you would be for them. That's right? huge, and that was a that was a big shift for me, and it it basically happened it happened after I moved out of L.A. Um, but if if you can if you can turn gig envy or jealousy or coveting into being happy for that person. Yeah. And that, I think that only happens when you, when you really have relationships yes. with that person, because if you don't have a relationship with them, like if you know them, but they're not like a friend of yours, you know, you hear they got a cool thing and there's some fuck you in there. Yeah, there's guy. like, why'd oh, that guy get it? Yeah. <laughs> how do you get that? And it's like, I mean, some, sometimes it's <laughs> like on, on the negative side, sometimes it's like him really you yeah, know oh yeah but more often than not it's it's more like why not me yeah like right. he's great sure but like why not me it's almost always rooted in some sort of insecurity totally right? yeah, yeah totally and it, it took me a long time to, to realize that like it's it's about the relationships why him and not me because he has a relationship that i don't have exactly because he's invested time in you know creating a relationship with a person not a shitload of people like a person yeah exactly um, and you know, like the, 
it, it happened to us. Your gig with Sarah happened because of your relationship with Victor. Right, exactly. My gig yeah. with Ain't Too Proud happened because of my relationship with, with Q. With Q, yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. I mean, that's how that stuff generally uh, goes. And I think, I mean, again, I, I, I just to... Just to just to briefly touch back on this subject that's super uh, debated these days about internet and real drummers or right. whatever you want to call it, it's like you're gonna get your gigs, like actual gigs, through relationships and people, and that really hasn't changed. There's a chance that if you're prominent on some sort of social media or YouTube or whatever, that you might end up in someone's sphere of awareness and that might get you somewhere but again like if you don't have somebody involved who you know it's probably not going to happen right mm -hmm. so it's like they're they really are sort of separate things now it's like we've got guys who are or gals who are working and doing gigs and the other thing is something completely different i'm not disparaging that i'm not saying anything negative about it but it is this side of things the gig uh real uh, world situation is still about relationships and I don't see that changing because yeah. it hasn't changed Yeah, now even. Right. So I still think that's what, you know, wherever you are, whatever town you're in, whatever place you're at, it's about, you know, being a part of it and, and, and showing up and being in the community because that's how you, and again, it doesn't have to be like, you know, show up to the places where you feel alienated. That's what I thought, by the way. And I, I would say this to any younger drummer. It's like, you don't have to show up to everything. Um, and especially not situations where you just don't feel welcome because what's the point of that? Right. You know, right. And that's, if I could tell my younger self something, I would tell him a lot of things. Me too. But, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but one thing too. would be like, don't bang your head against a wall. Don't bang your head against the wall. Yeah. In, in places or with people who, um, who aren't your people, who aren't your places. Exactly. Like don't, don't twist yourself into a pretzel trying to fit into a certain group or get in with a certain person or like, like you, you know, when you're going to get along with someone, you, you can feel when somebody is like your people. Yeah. So go after that and don't worry about the rest. And um, most, most great relationships in general, but also especially in the music business happen organically in some way yeah. right yeah like you meet someone through someone you hit it off you see eye to eye yep and then it just blossoms from there you don't really have to try that hard a right lot of times right it's right. just it happens yeah and uh man that that yeah. it reminds me of what um uh matt kraus tells this story about the kenny aronoff clinic and and matt asked him a question about like you know being being diverse or being well-rounded or being versatile and, and all this stuff and, and kenny said it's it's better to have three a plus grooves than 10 b minus grooves <laughs> totally. and the same is true for relationships like if you have a handful of long deep tight relationships that's going to take you further than 20 acquaintances absolutely you know that's absolutely. what's sustainable that's what's that's what uh, keeps work and music coming. Yeah. Right? And it's always going to be coming from a source that you know and love and trust. Yeah, exactly. Right? If you're a hired gun with, like, a huge Rolodex and, like, work will come, but it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of one-offs. It's going to be just sort of, like, this thing, then that thing, then this thing, then that thing. Um, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're in a similar position because like coming out of the pandemic, I looked at the first 20 years of my career and it was a lot of that. Yeah. It was like a lot of one-off gigs and I worked, yeah. I made a living. There were some 
you know, long-standing gigs that I was really invested in that meant a lot to me. But mostly it was bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And I was like, I want the next 20 years of my career to be a much shorter list. Oh, that's interesting. Of that's cool. much more meaningful shit. Yeah. Um, so is that where you're at? Uh, yeah, I think... <sighs> Wow, that's a really it's a that's an awesome question. <laughs> um, I just want I, I'm okay with with um, shorter spells of things with you know um, shorter lengths of time uh, one offs that kind of stuff. I just want the quality to be uh, um, to feel like I'm a part of something that's that's good music. Yeah. And if anything, um, from reflection on the first sec sort of segment of my career, if we're using COVID as a dividing point or whatever, it is, which is a good dividing point. The age we're at, it's a it's, it's a, a great one. <laughs> yeah, it works perfect. Um, I would say I just I, I I'm I'm not I've never been the kind of person that's uh, found it easy to say no to anything, and so I still kind of stand by the idea of like, it's I'm not in a position to turn a, a, a lot of stuff down. Um, that being said, I want to direct myself in terms of, I want to be a part of certain kinds of music and certain kinds of gigs. And if, if something I, if I can see that something will take up a lot of my time and is not that, then I, I will try to figure out a way to, to pass on that gig or say, say no to something. But that's only because, um, I probably went too much in the other direction where I would say yes to everything and was getting pulled around in different directions and didn't really have like, there were points in my career before where I felt like I didn't have a direction. Yes. And that's what I was, that's what I'm trying to yes. keep. There was a lot of activity. There was no direction. Right. And that, and I, that's the thing that I think, I mean, it, I think it's only natural to want to try to be a part of a lot of different things and say, Hey, how would I do on this kind of gig or that kind of gig or with these musicians? But then there's a point where it's like, yeah, but what do I want to do? What's my, what's my voice? What do I want to say? Right. What do I want to be a part of? Right. Where do I get to express myself the fullest? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. And yeah. and where, where am I going to belong? Where, where do I belong? Where yeah, am I going to exactly. really be valued? Great, perfect, um, yeah. And, and you know, there's, there's a time and a place to like take all the gigs and do all the shit and it's when you're young because you don't know what like if you had to if I had to choose a direction when I was 27 yeah like I couldn't no you know it, right. like you're just happy to be working exactly you're like holy exactly. shit I'm making a living playing music my yeah. schedule is full like it's you know and that that in itself is a win huge win but so like I'm I'm I don't think either one of us are discouraging any young drummers from just like take Say all the yes gigs, to everything, do Absolutely. all the shit. Yeah, because I, I think we did that, and I think that's a huge part of growing as a musician is is taking literally everything just to get the hours of playing in as yeah. well on top of everything else. Right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, and then I, you have that foundation of like when something comes along, you you know what it's going to be, and you know that you can say no to it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can see certain things coming a mile away to yes. certain kinds of situations where you're like, oh, I see where this is going. Right, and, and it's because I did 87 of those gigs <laughs> exactly. 12 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and I think that, and then the opposite is true. Like, there are certain gigs that I still do that um, I've been doing forever, but I know what they are. I know what to expect. They seem to come around at, a time, at times when I'm not that busy and... 
everybody's cool and they like me and I like them. And it's just like, yeah, I'm doing it. Right. Why, why the hell not? You right. Know? And uh, that's, that's, that's interesting you say that. Cause it's kind of the other side of the coin of saying no, like the older you get, the more, you know, established you get, the more secure you get, yeah. the more you say no to shit. Yeah. Right? Right, right. But then when you, when you say yes to something, you, you don't expect it to change your life. No. Like you're, right. you're going into it and, and I'm able, like, I've had to really check myself over the years because I have no poker face. And if I'm not enjoying myself, like you'll know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. this would, you know, over the last couple of years, when I say yes to those kind of gigs, I'm like, okay, I know what this is going to be. Yeah. I can, I, I, I can be positive. Um, this is going to be, it's going to be what it's going to be. It's, gonna be it's not going to change my life. It's not going to fulfill me artistically. It's, right. you know, but these people are cool yeah. and it's some money and I'm playing drums and let's go do it. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm fucking I'm, lighten up. I'm there. Lighten up. It's right. Right. Exactly. And it's not going to damage anything and right. it's not going to. Yeah. Right. You don't have to put this on Instagram. I don't have to post about that. <laughs> that. That's so funny. I have that conversation with, with a couple of my friends all the time. Like, yeah, you know, we, we, it's just, that's how that stuff works. You know, you, you. You're not going to post about it. You're not going to brag about it. It's just a, it's, it's, we're working. Right? right. And I think even back in the day when this town was like full of people doing a bunch of sessions all the time, there were a bunch, a ton of those sessions where they went in there like with their eyes rolling, like, oh God, here we go. You know, right. here's this McDonald's jingle or something like that. I mean, I don't imagine that that was particularly fulfilling musically. They yeah. were probably just doing it because I'm working. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that. I, I like to work. So, yeah, as long as I'm not, um, and I think this is where I, I did things earlier in my career that I would like to take, not take back, I can't take it back, but if I would do it any differently, it would be airing less on, like I would err on the side of saying yes to so much stuff that I, like, I guess I'm repeating myself, but I, I needed a direction. I needed to know where I was going. And that is the key. I think like knowing what you want to do, that's, that's important for a younger drummer, even if you're not. 100% there yet it's like knowing where you where you want to go and figuring that out is super important you know? yeah not not many young people know themselves well, well enough, enough yeah to, to really know where they want to go right most of us have to like do all Try the stuff shit. Yeah. yeah um yeah exactly man. and it will but and at the same time what's interesting for me is I came out here thinking I wanted to be uh, primarily a recording drummer, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I I, I still I, or or I guess playing. I I've always loved playing songs with people, so that's like the the primary motivation of my whole life to play drums has been to play music and songs, yeah, singer songwriters especially. Um, so that that never really went away, but I did try other things to see, like maybe I can do this and do that and mix it together. And ultimately, I'm still back where I kind of originally thought I wanted to be. I just maybe lost a little bit of focus for a while, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's easy to lose focus. It's totally. easy to sort of get seduced by so easy. other paths. And, and it's, I mean, it goes back to belonging, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, did you did you watch the, uh, the Brene Brown netflix thing no i haven't she's, i've heard about this but i haven't watched yeah it it's it's worth watching okay and and one of the things she said like she did this whole segment that was about like you know your work and the workplace um and she talked about you know regardless of what you do um you can 
you can find there's there's a difference between fitting into your workplace and belonging in your workplace. Mm, I like that. And yeah. it has it has less to do with the kind of work you do. That's part of it, but it's mostly about the people you work with and the relationship you have and the mission of the company that you work for and yeah. and all that. Um and yeah, she said that and I was like it's kind of that dividing line of the pandemic. Like my first 20 years was a lot of fitting in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's great. And I want my next 20 to be like, no, no, I belong here. I belong here. Yeah. Um, so that's great. It's, it seems like you're, you're belonging in the, uh, in the, in the Sarah McLaughlin world. I was just thinking that when you said it. See, I, I do this for a living. That was a great segue. Excellent segue. That's the whole thing about um, that uh, struck me with the Sarah situation was like from the minute I walked in there, um, uh, I just felt like it was the right situation for me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mean, it's so many things, so many layers to it, not the least of which is like, you know, geographical. Like I grew up in the same place as everybody in the band. Right. You know, we understand each other on that level. Um, do you revert to a Canadian accent when I you're do. on tour? <laughs> I do. The words start changing really fast. I was kidding, but you actually no. I, I'm serious because they are because you know like uh, let's see. So one other uh, one of the MD lives here, but the rest of the band and the crew and everybody else is from uh, lives in either Vancouver or Toronto. Yeah, right. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. It's amazing, and also like just all of the inside cultural jokes and sure. they're the ribbing each other a certain ways all like very distinctly Canadian yeah. and super fun. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it just fit and you know, like the, 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 and also just like having the music already kind of in my subconscious before I even started doing this thing, mm-hmm. that's all part of the same deal. It just felt like, yes, this is a good place for me to be. I belong here. Yeah. Um, it feels like they enjoy having me there. So right. it's like, you know, so how much time has it taken up? Like how much of a commitment is it? So far it's been, um, I guess because I'm I'm obsessive about being ready for everything. Um, I Not only have we done these gigs and I prepared for the first set of gigs, but then I just, every time we have gigs coming up, I take at least a couple of weeks in advance to like just play the music again every day and get myself, because we don't really, re- so far we haven't rehearsed except that one time. Wow. wow. So it's, for me, it's about like, I'm... I'm not taking for granted the fact that I've done well up to this point. Yeah. Because I don't want to suddenly show up there like unprepared and then it feels like shit. Right. Right. So. You reminded me of something I wanted to say earlier about about preparation and yeah. like, knowing how to prepare. Um, a buddy of mine, a, a bass player in Atlanta named Kelly McCarty, we were having this conversation and, and he was like, you know, th- confidence can come from different places. Like you there's the kind of confidence that comes from just like ego. Yes. Right. Just like I'm the shit. I got this. Right. There's the kind of confidence that come from like people building you up like external affirmation. Right. But he said, there's nothing like the confidence that comes from knowing you've done the work. Yeah. 100%. Whatever your, and like everybody's preparation process is different. 
Yeah. Right. But right. like when you go into thi- uh, when you go into a thing knowing that like I have done my shit. Yeah. I am on this. Yeah. Exactly. I, I like I can't control everything. There might be some curveballs, but like I have gone through my process and I'm ready. That's it, man. Yeah. And I and I, I that's how I've run my whole career. So yeah. that's kind of how I want to keep doing it. And it sounds like your your process is long. Like you're talking about weeks. Just every day. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just hitting it every day is like so important for me. Yes, personally. me too. It's yeah. it's repetition. Repetition. It's, yeah. And it's mostly listening, honestly. Yeah, that like, too. Absolutely. When I have to learn a set list, like I I spend more time listening to shit than I do playing. I'll yeah. I'll just ride around with it in my car while I'm doing dishes. Like just putting it Let in it my brain in. yeah yeah and then by the time you sit at the drums it's like there's no question you know what's coming yeah. up it's you know exactly yeah that's it. um so like how how much time uh on the road versus home has it been so far um that's kind of hard to yeah it's hard to say because there's been there have been some longer runs um but in the, I would say it's definitely been a. I mean, I did have some Buffy St. Marie stuff this year too. So between the two of them, I was probably here. I would say about half the time mm-hmm. of the of, over the last year, on and off. Um, there have been it's been a lot of Canada, which is great, and not necessarily because of who they are, because uh, I guess you know what I've been told is that in normal times, you know, post pandemic that. Sarah actually does more in the States than she does in Canada, which is kind of interesting. And I didn't know that Hmm. until her tour manager told me that, but, um, we have done a lot up there. So that's also made it so that I could, uh, stick around and spend more time with family as well. Extended trips. So yeah, I've been, been back and forth a lot this year. Um, and, uh, but not, but in a way that keeps me feeling pretty connected to here and to everybody out there as well. Like it's been just the right amount. Right. Um, and that's kind of how she does stuff. She doesn't do like four month tours. She goes out for 10 days, two weeks, blah, blah, blah. Like that. That's what most people are doing these days. Yeah. It's not what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're doing an extended thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And I, I like that. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of, I, you know, honestly it doesn't, to me, it's like, I I'll do any, any of that stuff. I'll go out for longer runs. I don't care. I'm happy with all of it. I just love to work. So yeah. 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 So like, um, the Sarah gig means more time away from LA. Yes. And I would imagine it means more money. Yes. They are paying you, right? Yes. Okay. They good. are paying me. <laughs> <laughs> so like but between between the bump in pay and more time away, how has that affected um what you do while you're here? Also a fantastic question. Wow. So like multi layered questions that I I I told you I've been doing this a while, <laughs> man. <laughs> this one would have been this one would have been one I could like I could have thought about for like a day. Um, no, I think um I think what that gig has done for me in terms of like when I'm home is it um gives me like I I know that when I am at home I have to um take care of things that are you know maybe tracks I'm doing for somebody or something like that. I'm I'm much more focused cuz I might have less time now to like take care of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I still want to be involved with like gigs that I'm doing here, especially creative gigs where, you know, it's people I enjoy working with singer songwriters or whatever. Um, so it's like about making people aware of when you're going to be around and when you're not going to be around. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also gives me a little more freedom as far as like, okay, I've got, I know I have this work coming up, so I'm going to take that as a chance to like also make sure I'm super prepared again, like 
keeping myself focused on what I'm doing because I know I have it coming up. So it gives me a, a purpose in that sense, mm-hmm. but I don't want to let it like take over my life either. So it's about finding that balance. Right, right. I guess and that. Has, I mean, has it allowed you just um, more non-drum time? Like Yes, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. It's like allowed me to um, like come home and breathe for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. How and, long have you been married? Uh, since tw- uh, 2018, we got married and I've been with my wife since 2015. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So the, you were, you got together like right as I was getting out of here. Yes. Uh, what's yeah. her name again? In bar. In bar. I-N-B-A-R. And she's yeah. a musician too. And right? she's a musician. Yeah. Cool. She goes online. She's a uh, in bar star. Now. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, all that to say, like, I, I would imagine that your time home, uh, your priorities while you're here are some some musical but also just like let me be a let person me hang with, with my wife with my wife and absolutely like not play drums yeah and see my friends and yeah catch up and and then we she's also been with me on a bunch of the trips to canada because we then we visit with my family and yeah that's super cool she loves it there so we just you know i'm yeah. i'm in the same boat because like uh before we came to la we had a week off um and i spent it at home and it went like that <laughs> Yeah. I couldn't believe how fast Flew it went. By. And yeah. like, uh, you know, I got, I got good wife time. I got good dog time, Yes, you know, but it just, it, it went by so fast. And, and, uh, we're also in the same boat in that she can travel to come meet awesome. me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know that this gig would be, I mean, I, it would, it would still be doable, but the fact that she has the freedom and autonomy in her job to work from anywhere, I was just going to ask that. So that's what that is. She works yeah, remotely. She from... works remotely and, and she has a fair amount of autonomy uh, about like when she works. Great. You know, so how perfect is that? Um, yeah. So she came to uh, San Francisco for Thanksgiving and uh, you know, after we we're, we're on the West coast and like Pacific Northwest for a couple of months here, but then we get back to the Southeast and we're going to be doing a bunch of towns that she can just drive to. Oh man. How perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So all that to say, like feeling connected to home and to your person, like when, when you're touring a lot, like I've found, (laughs) I've found it really essential. um, Super essentially. And I'm still getting the hang of, tell me about this. Like I'm, I'm still getting the hang of staying connected to her, um, just like on the phone and texting and like, cause when you're traveling, you get really wrapped up in your own shit. And as an introvert, I'm just, I want to be a bubble. I'm like, yeah, I just want to go out and experience the world, but I don't really want to like talk to very many people, mm-hmm. including my wife. Like I just, I sort of you need get, time. Yeah. I yeah, get sure. inculcated in this. Like, have you found it difficult to like get outside yourself and like, no, get on the phone, text her, connect with her. Yeah. We, I think the good thing is her and I are similar that way. So like when we, when we are apart, um, we enjoy, the the aspect of it that is like okay we're also like our own separate people now for a while yeah. and we're um so we check in we haven't had any issues with that because we just sort of have a sense for when to check in with each other and make sure everybody's cool and um i mean i'm i guess i'm fortunate in that she's um uh not she doesn't need me to be any different than i already am that way i haven't had to stretch that way i just we have the same amount of desire to speak to each other at the same amount of, with the same amount of volume. And right. So we've, yeah, we've been, we've been cool, man. It's yeah. been, it's been, That's it's great. been okay. And then she, yeah, like I said, when, when it gets really tough and we really miss each other, she just comes out and joins us for 
a show or a run or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's been awesome. And another thing I should say is that um, traveling to Canada and being in my hometown, especially with both Buffy and Sarah, has been also really nice because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't working in Canada very much up to that point at all. Right. And now I am. Right. And, and uh, it's really nice because friends come out, people I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. Uh, family. It's like, it's a pretty cool, pretty nice experience to have. That's awesome. You know. She, she and I were are, are cool so far. Like, yeah. we're, we're doing good so far. We haven't had any issues. But I'm I'm vigilant because if, if we do have an issue, it's probably going to be because of me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, I do know that yeah. feeling. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to, like I said, be vigilant. Smart man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, it was, it was great talking to you. It was great likewise, seeing you. Man. I'm, glad, I'm glad you're doing so well. Just and likewise kicking, to you, man. Kicking everything's ass. You too. Love this room. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got to hook up because you, you and I, like, I, I feel like if I would have stayed here, our relationship, like it, like you had with Craig McIntyre, and like I had with Jamie Tate, like, yeah, you and I, and and we, obviously, we were, our relationship was was growing, like we were becoming closer friends. Yes, yeah, yeah for sure. Exactly. And then I, then I fucked off. Um, but I, because rem- I, and I'll remember too. I will never forget sitting with you talking about, uh, you know, talking about thinking about getting married. You know, I, I asked yeah. you for advice because you were already there. Oh, and, wow, I, and yeah. I and I I remember we talked about that, and and that was super helpful. So we were definitely becoming like yeah. more than just musical friends. We were, you for know, sure. no, caring about each other's actual lives as opposed to just the musical side of it, which is always like a. Uh, a, 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 like a, a thing you cross over into with somebody like, Hey, are we really friends? Yeah. Or, which yeah. Is, so, and I, and I, I think we sensed the realness yes. of each other. And I think that's yeah. why we connected. So a- yeah. amidst the LA, amidst the LA realness. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't want to get you in trouble, but was that conversation about your current wife or your, no, 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 no. I, I, I was never married before. So this was about, this was about like, um, just talking about, you know, so what's it like being married? You know, that was it. I yeah. think that was it. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> I mean, I, my answer was probably like about the same as it was before. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I do. I, do what I think told. that's what it was. I think that's what you told me. Yeah. Like, like just, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, yeah. if it's, if it's, a, if you guys are good together now, you'll be good together when you're married. I do too. remember this conversation. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, it's, it's not like you pass through some portal. No. Yeah. Right. You exactly. Know, if, yeah. if, if it's not great, then it's not it's probably it's not, not going to be, be great. Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. All yeah. right. Well, we did it. We, we did, did it, man. We, we, we married, we married well. Yes, and, we did. And we're, we're gainfully employed. <laughs> we're gainfully employed. Thank God, man. Victory. Yeah. All yeah. right. I'm starving. You ready for lunch? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. There you go. My friend, Matt Starr. Great to reconnect with him and hope to stay more connected to him in the future because uh, since leaving LA, I've, I've kind of sucked at it. Look for him on tour with Sarah McLaughlin, and you can check out a bunch more about him at therealmattstar.com. Next week, Matt Krause will be talking with Jamie Wallum of Tears for Fears. Hope you check that out. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.